Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations. Z, we're talking about the thresholds of humanity. And as we've talked about in some ways, this is a continuation of prior discussions. It's just getting hard out there. I mean, it's just getting hard to survive, to deal with the constant anxiety. I look out and I talk to a lot of friends about this. I think people are just stupid. You know, people are making bad decisions because of the ravages of drugs, the ravages of having a cell phone and being addicted to social media content. And you see this play out. You've got mass shootings every single week. Uh, even if you don't like someone, let's say that you hate your neighbor, the decision-making is off. I mean, why would you shoot someone and then go to jail? You know you're not going to get away with it. It completely upends your life uh, just so that you feel satisfied in that particular moment or you feel like you're a big, strong person. Uh, to me, it's very poor decision-making, uh, but something is breaking in the psyche. And uh, we've uh, talked uh, about the environmental factors the economic challenges that people have with inflation, uh, the fact that the media is pumping out this constant narrative of fear and dread, the geopolitical situation, and then, of course, all of the toxicity in the environment, whether it's our food supply or water supply. So we're being bombarded with all of these challenges that we have to deal with. And unless we've got some way to create resilience in the self, in the spirit, so that we can bounce back from this constant assault, we're going to go to a very dark place. And as we've, we've been saying, uh, we're seeing this play out in the news every single day. Uh, there was something that happened in Manhattan on the subway uh, where there was a homeless person who was a Michael Jackson impersonator, mentally ill, and he uh, was well-known on the subways. He was there singing Michael Jackson songs. But, <coughs> excuse me, uh, apparently he was threatening someone on the subway and someone else stepped in and got him in a chokehold and choked him out for 15 minutes. And I think he stopped thrashing after two minutes. So it's kind of like after two minutes when he stops thrashing, when you wonder what's happening, maybe you'd release your grip on this person and check him out. But no, uh, they held him down for 15 minutes. Uh, the homeless person died. And not only did people not do anything and not intervene, but a lot of them were cheering because they felt like this homeless guy was a nuisance or they were he represented some kind of a threat. Or maybe they just felt good about piling into a scene of violence. And you think about that from a very human level, there's something perverse about that. You think of humanity as compassion, as connection, as being part of something greater than yourself, this constant process of, of life and growth and development. And there's a certain aspect where we just look out for each other. You know, even though I don't know you, I know that we're in the same boat. We've got the same struggles. We want the same things. This is one of the foundations of Buddhism that you look at someone, and even if that person is your enemy, in some way you know that they're, they're just trying to do the best that they can. They want to get back to their family. They want to provide for their family. Uh, they want happiness. They want joy. They want to free themselves from suffering. Maybe they're going about it the wrong way. Maybe they're misguided. But if we're in touch with that part of our humanity, we may not like what they're doing. We may not even tolerate it. Uh, but there's a certain amount of compassion just that we have because we know that we're in the same boat, and we know that there's a connection uh, between us and 
and in some sense, uh, between all living things or across all living things. Uh, so that, to me, is a very big part of being human. Uh, we talk about it in a spiritual context. Whatever religion you look at, whatever your spiritual beliefs, a lot of the ideas are about transcendence, getting away from this narrow sense of self and finding connection to something greater. If you look at the research on happiness, a lot of happiness comes when you feel like you've got some greater purpose, when you feel connected to the people around you, when you're not just in this ruthless world out on your own and surviving by yourself, but you know that you're part of a larger whole. And so all of this is an intrinsic part of being human. But the challenge is that when we've got these constant ravages in the environment, the anxiety that we're dealing with, the fear, the uncertainty, the disruption in routines, uh, and we talked about this a little bit offline, uh, that when society seems to go in directions that are very unpredictable, and we've seen incredibly rapid change in the last few years, particularly since the pandemic, you don't know what's going to happen. You feel unsettled. So that's something that is like pulling the rug out from underneath someone, and that affects our humanity. Uh, the constant stimulation, uh, the diet, all of these things put us in a place where we're hunkering down and our brain isn't functioning properly anymore, at least the higher parts of our brain and our consciousness. We're losing that connection to others. We're focused more on what we feel in the moment. We don't have control over our emotions. Uh, we really don't have ownership of ourselves. And so that's a state. I mean, that's a very feral state. And that's something that we want to avoid. So you put it very nicely, Z. You talked about physical systems, whether you got cars or bridges. When you're designing these things, you want to make sure that they're resilient. You want to test the springs, you want to test the loads, make sure that whether there are storms that are coming uh, or you've got a bridge and you've got tens of thousands of people walking over it, you've got trucks uh, going between different places and you've got a certain amount of wear and tear, you build resilience into the system so that it still functions, it still does what it's supposed to do. And we can think about our humanity the same way. How do we create that resilience so despite all of the external factors, despite the wear and tear that we're getting, we're still able to maintain that integrity. And we're still able to be in touch with that very human part of ourselves. We never want to lose that. So that's today's topic, the threshold of humanity. Talk to us about that, Z. Why don't you kick us off and give us some sense for where we are and maybe how we get back to a more human state. Yeah, Vin, so we want to always go back to basics. Whatever we do here, we want people to be, it, it to be somewhat useful for us to be healthier people, healthy and well. And when we speak about these things, it is not to increase the dread. It's actually to diminish it so that the more we can steward ourselves in a better direction or be aware of ourselves, we hold, as you would say, agency over ourselves. Then Caitlin reminded me when we were talking about the thresholds, she, she said, well, there's a term in psychotherapy that deals with resiliency, a mental resiliency. And for me, it's the same as in engineering. So if I have a, uh, if I have a table, let's say we have a table that's X big, and I want to know its tolerances and its threshold. I want to know its resiliency to bearing weight. I'm going to continue to stack weight on it until it starts to fail. Then I'll ex put more weight on it until it actually has a catastrophic failure. That's something they do in automotives when they build the turning the drive shaft and your constant velocity joints. They actually have a device they put it on and they hold it still on one end and twist it on the other end and they can measure to the exact 
uh, gram of torque when that thing will have a catastrophic failure that could potentially cost a human being their life, right? So when that threshold is reached, they work, make sure that that device always works under the threshold. So they have other weaker devices that compensate so it won't hurt you. The human brain works the same way. There are so many things. So let's think about the weight or the twisting force we're putting on our brains right now in an ever-changing social landscape that would give you a better understanding of why there's going to be more mass shootings, why there's going to be more bizarre criminality, why reasonably decent people could cheer the death of a person on a train. And when you look at the case like that, just using as a case study in humanity, he was the typical uh, kind of uh, roaming homeless person yelling and shouting on public transportation. Yeah, there are nuisances, there are annoyances. And uh, if you're going to use that meter of transportation, you're going to be with a lot of different people. Some smell bad, some are talking. I remember people used to smoke on the train and you just wanted to kill them, but you didn't do it. Now it's more than likely that you will do it. You have no impulse control anymore because you've snapped. You've had a catastrophic failure of that membrane that, that keeps your humanity and your savagery separate. It's just a small membrane like uh, the skin of a balloon. You can put so much water in a balloon and eventually that balloon will rupture and there's no, there's, it reached the threshold or capacity. There's no more resiliency as um, we were reminded of. And so what happens is you go back a few years, some years ago there was a screaming woman case in New York. A lot of people know about that. There was a woman being uh, murdered and over I think an eight hour period, I think that was about an eight hour period, right Vin? And people were just listening. And they heard her screaming for help, screaming for help until she was murdered, took them. Uh, but it, it was a long period of time, it was about eight hours that this man was abusing this woman. And she finally died. And when they went around and people said then, I just don't want to get involved. A few years later, they had a similar case of someone being brutalized for a long extended period of time. And they asked the people, what, what, what's going on? Why didn't you intervene? Well, I was indifferent. I didn't care. It wasn't my business. Didn't care. Then now you get to the subway where there are people participating in the choking of the man and others cheering and clapping because nothing was left of our humanity. And I'm not saying that these were bad people in the sense of walking around with malice in their heart, but there's been too many, we bore too much load in our society. And as I talked to different people, I was talking to my nephew here, and people now speak in word salads because they're trying to put narratives to things that should not even be afforded a narrative. Some things are as simple as what you see in front of you. They're not as complex as you think. So we are trying and weighing our minds down with word salad, uh, bizarre narratives, trying to make sense of nonsensical. And you have this onslaught of more and more and more. There's never a relief. Every day, maybe there's a new word. People create a new title. Uh, Caitlin was telling me about her and Pretty Tony were just walking and some woman uh, was, was angry. They were walking behind, you were walking behind them 
at a farmer's market. So like the subway, you know you're going to have crazy people on the subway. Don't use the train. You know there's going to be many people at the farmer's market, and you don't want people walking behind you at the farmer's market. So this person has lost their mind, but because we have normalized insanity, this person felt okay being out. Compared to everybody else, they probably weren't that far off based on maybe what they've been hearing, observing, and seeing. And so the problem with losing that part of your humanity, that membrane that separates civil from savage, is that there's a basic element in the brain that deals with healthy and unhealthy stress that starts to have an actual physiological effect on you, and it has an, a, um, a landscape effect on the brain, a negative landscape effect on the brain. So unpredictability and inconsistencies. The brain loves consistencies and it loves basic math. The brain loves that for it to do higher function because our primitive functions of breathing, walking, eating, sleeping, living are, are pretty mathematical, right? Sleep X hours a day, awake, eat food, digest food, those kinds of things. The brain is governing all that, so it doesn't need a lot of a lot of debris in that, a lot of dust being brought up, because it's going to do that anyway. Its primary purpose is to seek out threats and to preserve our life, and then the next function is for survival and elements of survival. Now, when you start to tax that, all of those things will take a hit. So you will start to see strange health issues, immune systems shutting down for different reasons. You're seeing that more and more in clinical settings. Uh, acute radiological disorder, uh, that's the fragmenting of the white matter of the brain. You see cortical collapse where the uh, autotomic nervous system goes haywire and the sympathetic nervous system hijacks it and now you have this mess and your body just stops working. Uh, and it may do it for a short period of time. You have these blackouts, these kind of brownouts of your body because of this cortical collapse. Um, you're seeing uh, the immune system unable to deal with smaller illnesses, so we're having longer coughing spells, longer flus, longer digestive um, infections and uh, parasitic invasions that don't seem to go away. Used to be you had a cold, it's gone in 24 to 48 hours. Now it's, not, it's no big deal to see people with two-week, one-month colds. So we're all being affected by this. And the formula of alchemy is always the same, identify, process, and integrate. By identifying these loads, these assaults on your psyche, your brain, your, your reality, you can then make small corrections. And Holding your ground is very important. Like the incident that, that Caitlin and Pretty Tony had, just not engaging. I think that's what Caitlin told me to do. You just didn't engage. Very important not to engage nonsense. It's very important because it, it, it requires a tremendous amount of bandwidth in your brain to make sense of that that cannot be made sense of. You follow what I'm saying? It's like... You, if you stood there and tried to figure out her thinking, it would eat up brain matter. It would eat up electrons in your brain, uh, uh, 
neuronal uh, packeting would be going overboard trying to figure it out. It's just like trying to get chat GTP or, or your, your computer to come up with some bizarre calculation. It just sits there running for hours and hours trying to make sense of nonsensical. Then you get the, uh, on a Mac, you'll get the uh, rainbow wheel of death and it'll just shut down, so just restart. That's what your brain is doing. But if we don't know we're doing it, the next thing we know, that membrane of civility is destroyed and we're on a killing spree. Not only, and long before the killing spree, when that membrane is destroyed, we become sociopathic because all we know is that our pain is based on people outside. And we may have a targeted group or we may have just general hatred for people, not even hatred, just reaction. You see the, the guy in Texas was a Hispanic guy who was a neo-Nazi. And he went after all the different ethnicities of people that kind of looked like him, but he saw himself and them as the enemy, the threshold. You see the other one where I guess the guy who is the leader of the Proud Boys is a black Cuban who is the leader of a far-right neo-Nazi organization. Yet he has followers. It's just very bizarre. So your brain is, is actually smoking just thinking about it. It's actually smoking, right? The woman of the year is a man. The female athlete of the year is a man. Your brain is smoking. You understand? Your computer, you can smell it cooking. You know when, you know when an electrical device short circuit, you go, what the hell is that? Why are these wires hot? That's what most of our brains are doing. And then eventually when they finally short, you're just a savage now. You've just become a savage. But we can take responsibility for that. We must avoid trying to make sense of that that is nonsensical. Keep your brain healthy. As the Buddha said, protect your mind. Protect your mind. You follow me, Vin? Z, you bring up a lot of good points. I mean, there's actually a lot that comes to mind when you talk about this. One is just the line between sane and insane. And we've met, uh, discussed this in the past, how it's not as far apart as people might think. Uh, we look at people and we say, oh my God, what are they doing? How can they act so crazy? Uh, but perhaps in this environment where you're just dealing with so many uh, challenges and so much dysfunction and so much uncertainty, it doesn't take that much to push people over the edge. So I think that's one thing that's interesting, which maybe we can explore as we get into this conversation. Then another thing, this point about not engaging, to me, that's critical. And it's critical because the natural response is uh, to attack someone who's attacking you. Or if you feel like someone's slighting you, they didn't respect you, they push you out of the way. Uh, or even if they didn't really push you, maybe they didn't give you enough room. It, whatever it is, you want to engage. You want to get back at them. I see this with my kids all the time. <laughs> it's like someone's got to get the last word. And you take arguments which are about nothing, and they just turn into something, and they turn into shouting matches because people can't keep their mouths shut. And at that age, it makes sense. So you got the kids that you're dealing with, they don't have that control or that awareness. So all they know is that they want to come out on top. Whatever it is, whatever the point of view is, they want to say the last thing and prove that they're right. Uh, you see this in social media as well, where if you look at the comments 
you get these flame wars going back and forth where people are arguing in comment sections of YouTube videos or Facebook posts, and it just devolves. I mean, it's just like this huge drain of time and energy to no effect. I mean, really, all we're doing is playing a game with ourselves. We don't even know who we're interacting with. It could be a robot on the other side. It could be it could be anyone. It could be an agent of a foreign state. It could be some bored six-year-old kid. We have no idea, but in our mind, it's important enough. Even though we don't know who the other person is, we have to get in the last word. So that tendency, I think, is a natural tendency, but it's also something that we need to check uh, because that can turn an ordinary situation into something that just completely blows up in your face. And you get to the point where it's almost like it doesn't matter what the original argument was about. It doesn't matter whether it's trivial. All you want to do is win. All you want to do is push the other person down into the ground. You want to kill them. You want to destroy them so that you can be right. And it's like a monster inside. You know, it's the ego taking over. So having that discipline of not engaging creates some space. And that's where the observation comes in. You know, that's where everything we talk about, being a dispassionate observer, being able to step back from the situation and act, be proactive, take a look at the situation, say, is it worth it? Is my life worth this trivial argument that I'm having? It, maybe you decide it is. You know, maybe it's so important to you that you go in and you take a risk, but then at least you're making a proactive decision. You don't want to be in that reactive mode where you're constantly bouncing from one thing to the next to the next. Uh, so it, we should talk about that a bit, creating that discipline and creating that space, because in that space, we get clarity and we can make much more intelligent decisions. The final thing that comes to mind, it just amazes me. I mean, you take a look at some of these things that have happened uh, in Texas and uh, other places where you've got uh, kids who are going to the wrong house and they ring the bell of someone else's house and they get shot or they pull into the wrong driveway and you had some cheerleader who was shot and killed. I'm curious, Z, what your perspective is, because to me, it's like, how do you get to that point? How do you get to the point where you're willing to blow someone away who's clearly not a threat? You're willing to throw your life away. It's not like you got some master plan uh, that you're going to escape and go to a place where you're never going to be found. What goes through your head? I mean, how do you get to the point where you're just willing to make that decision, which just seems so stupid? Uh but this stuff is happening over and over again. So, so walk us through that. I mean, maybe talk a little bit about the mechanics. Then one of the problems is you're using the wrong math. You're using the math of a sane person. And as I said, we're talking about people who have reached a threshold, a breaking point. And just like if you do the table tolerance test, how much weight can this table hold? It may hold 1,000 pounds, but it will not hold 1,001 pounds. It will have a catastrophic collapse, but when it hit 900 pounds or when it hit 90% of its threshold, you start to see the fragmenting of the structure. You start to see uh, the, the striations of damage and the ripping and pulling of the material, and that even though it could hold it, it had a limited period of time and it would always also induce wear and tear that could not be repaired. I use that analogy because I want to think about your brain. Think about every day. Let's say you're a person of 
lower to medium intelligence who watches the news every day, right? You're watching common media. You're not really into the DPO. You're not really an opt-out. But you're sitting there listening to that. And just as a personal experiment for all of us, imagine if you just flicked on one of these kind of news stations and listened to it uh, for most of your waking hours. Death, doom, despair. Enemies everywhere. I was showing a person uh, somewhere, maybe Florida, where they had made it a felony to be an immigrant. And um, I showed it to a very intelligent man. And he says, yeah, they're trying to stop the invasion. But what he didn't notice in the picture is that all the people standing around that picture were construction workers who were trying to build the city up. They had jobs. They were creating commerce in the city. They were improving the infrastructure. And they were the ones who were willing to take those low-paying, dangerous jobs um, that will leave them. They'll, they will take more than a paycheck home to their families. People who work in these hazardous jobs get more than a paycheck. They get um, diseases. They get lifetime injuries. Their lives are shortened by decades from injuries they incur at work. Nobody really wants those jobs except people who really need those jobs to provide for their families. And they're willing to make sacrifices that will shorten their life. They will be exposed to carcinogens. They will have trace minerals, uh, unhealthy trace minerals and toxic minerals lodged into their skin and their lymphatic system from welding and riveting and so forth. Um, so the Americans aren't really wanting to do those jobs. So as a political strategy, this person said, I'm gonna stop the invasion of these uh, horrible people um, and as a stunt. So he made sure it was a felony for them to work. They couldn't work. So I show this to an intelligent man, and he doesn't notice. And then when I explain to him to take, ask him to take a closer look at the picture and see what's going on in the video, and he says, wow, nobody's working. He said, well, they should be let in. So even this very smart man was being assaulted over and over by the media that he watches. The term invader, they're invading, they're invading. No, they're working. They're coming here to work like migrant workers. They used to call them migrant workers. Now they call them invaders. So just by changing that name, we've turned up the loading of our brain. That membrane has been loaded. Now, not only am I living my life and have my family stuff going on, now I have to worry about invaders, maybe not directly affecting me, but affecting the idea and my view of or fantasy of the nation I live in. It's not going to be that fantasy anymore. And for many people, they didn't have that fantasy, by the way. So we slowly start to lose it then. And that's what, if you haven't lost it, it's hard for you to rationalize it. And then people get into the gun control thing, right? They'll say, well, the way to stop all these shootings is to give only the police and government guns. See, see there's a problem with that. Well, you can go on your social media and you could spend weeks and months nonstop of watching police and governmental abuses played out firsthand with no real judicial redress. So now the government is not trusted. The judiciary has no integrity. 
And the argument for guns goes away because you can't just arm tyrants and then expect for there to be a healthy society without there being some sort of backlash. So now your brain is calculating all of this quietly. That's another load on your brain. You start to, in the sensible part of you, starts to try to make sense of why are these people so angry that they jump out of their car and murder people or shoot kids in the driveway. That's loading your brain up. And then as you start to lose that membrane, you start to make justifications for this. Well, maybe he was scared. Um, I've been in traffic and people jump in front of me. I wish they would die. I don't think I would do anything, but if they died, I wouldn't care. Not only if they died, I'd be happy they died. Not only if they died and I'd be happy, but I would cheer it and maybe do a GoFundMe for the person that did the killing, which is what's happening in New York, right? People are sending the guy money who killed the guy. Um, <clears throat> so this is the slippery slope, but it won't be a slippery slope. It'll actually be a catastrophic explosive breakthrough. We look at other issues in society, the sexual identity issue. For many people, this is maddening, right? I, 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 like many people, I don't talk about it because it's not, I talk about it, but in, in a way that it's not, I don't get it. And I think that my old <clears throat> kind of reflexes, isn't that your private life? I grew up in an extremely open community. I grew up in Berkeley, California. Well, in Berkeley, if you walked around with a propeller on your head and a pogo stick on your, your ass, people would say no more to you. Hey, do you have the time? Nobody would care. But then nobody imposed their lifestyle upon you. People gave space to people. And so the curious thing for me, more than anything, is the imposition of your ideology upon others. That is the part that is creating a level of intolerance, indifference, and then cheering for the death of. That's, what, that's the direction we go in. Can we live our lives and not impose it upon others? The question right, the answer to that question now is no. I must impose my mental status, my mental illness, my asymmetric logic onto other people. And not only do they need to accept it, but they also should vigorously encourage it and join me on whatever whim I'm on. People can't take it anymore. We can't. The average person, the collective humanity, and the end results of that is the membrane of civility is broken. So for those of us who are not opting out, we are more subject to encountering this behavior. For those who have opt out, our situation and awareness is much higher. We tend not to go to a lot of different places. We tend to avoid these different events. We're already in a place where we're trying to do the best therapy we can do. We're going to stay fit. Um, we're going to continue to do the things we do and we need to do to not only stay healthy, but to 
protect ourselves, secure ourselves from this um, load that's being borne upon most people that is leading to what we're seeing now. So you can mark my word, there will be many, many more outbursts, killings. I just, uh, they have a thing in San Francisco where someone was stealing from a store, attacked the security guard, the security guard shot the guy, and people in that, there are certain groups were upset that shoplifting should be not only, not, not a crime, but it should be something that is accepted. So the stores are starting to close down. Uh, they're moving out of these cities. Um, the, with them, they're taking jobs, commerce, and the taxation needed to maintain a quality city. So you can pretty much predict and see where that's going to head when nobody wants to do business in your town, when no store wants to open in your town because certain fragments of the society have presented an idea and the vast majority of people are trying to make sense of an idea that is nonsensical. So not only are the loudmouth people with their other views of the world, but the common person, the, simple, the simpletons of our society, the dullards, the average person is just going along with it till you no longer live in civility. That's what we're seeing if we drive down the streets of any large city. I, was, I mentioned before I was lost up in the Bay Area coming back from an island town called Alameda looking for a toy for drone. We took the wrong turn. And there were miles and miles of apocalyptic encampments. Sick, naked babies sitting on the street, uh, roaming people of all various degrees of extreme insanity for miles that you hoped to God that your car didn't break down or run out of gas. You ran the stop signs and stop lights in that area so you wouldn't be confronted at corners. It was well known, it was a normal thing, that you ran through intersections so that you wouldn't have a chance of encountering these people. So it makes you not care and hope that cheer for their suffering. So now you've lost your humanity. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, it's a depressing scenario that you lay out because <laughs> it's like one, you got all this dysfunction around and you got other people who are losing their humanity, who are going on killing sprees, who are shoplifting, who are doing whatever. But the more of that you see, the more likely you are to also lose your humanity because that's another thing that's making us insensitive. We just become desensitized uh, to the chaos, to the violence and the more something breaks down, if you have a society which completely breaks down, ultimately you're only going to care about yourself. That's going to be your first priority. So the more we head in this direction, the more people are only going to take interest in themselves, which means that it accelerates the decline and this thing feeds on itself. I mean, all, you know, honestly, it, it, sound, it sort of feels like a zombie infection. You get a few zombies and the more zombies you have, the more quickly you infect the rest of the population. I guess once you get to a critical point, maybe it, it slows down. But it, that's the world that we're living in. So we have to manage ourselves. We have to manage the environment that we're around. We have to manage uh, the interactions that we have uh, uh, to the point that we just made. We don't want to engage a lot of the time. We don't want to escalate. 
uh, we've got to manage the things that we take in. Uh, so I thought your point about the news was great. Uh, when I asked the question, how are people so stupid? And the response was, well, think about what they're putting into their brain. Uh, so every day you're watching the news and the news, of course, wants to scare us so they can get more views. It's a complete disregard for the truth. Uh, we saw that in this uh, recent uh, Fox News trial, the, the defamation lawsuit, where the executives at Fox were texting each other and, and talking about how insane the guests were. But they weren't pulling the guests because they knew that they were getting ratings. Uh, so there's no regard for the truth. It's all fear and panic. And the more that you hear, oh, my God, everything is falling apart. Oh, my God, there are people who are attacking us. China is attacking us. Russia is going to create the end of the world. The immigrants are swarming through our cities. Black Lives Matter is a bunch of communists, and they're going to destroy the integrity of society. Uh, we have to ban books and save our children. And of course, the politicians amplify this because the more buttons they can push, they don't really have to do anything. They don't have to solve any problems. They can just create problems and push buttons and get people to fall in line and create a movement behind them, which keeps them in power. Uh, so it's something that we really have to manage. Uh, I think having that awareness of what environment we're in, who we're talking to, uh, what kind of information we're taking in is maybe the, I'm not sure what the right word is, but it, maybe the, the, the bare minimum of what we have to do. Uh, and if uh, we, we can manage ourselves, then we've got a chance to avoid the zombie apocalypse and not be affected by uh, the same disease or I should say not be infected um, by the same disease. Uh, so I think that's the start of it, Z. And I'll leave it over there. Do, do you have any other thoughts on this topic? Well, I'd like to move into our second part and we talk about solutions, uh, causes and solutions, which are, to me, I refer to as the pillars of gratitude. Call it a, a wrap, okay? All right. So let's All right. just Sounds go into good. So you were, you were real right about the appearance of it, just like a zombie movie or whatever. It's described in, in, in all of our uh, literature, our ancient texts, the spiritual writing, the prophecies and so forth from all cultures. Uh, we're living in that time, we're here now. And so let's figure out how we prevail based on those same ideas, those classical ideas where people have gone through times like this before maybe, and they had a way through that we can we can do well in this short lifetime we have. We are lucky if we have 80, 100 years on this planet. I want to live it out good. I don't want to end up uh, being a burden on my family and, and uh, uh, living the last few years out slobbering and not knowing where I'm at and things like that. So there are things we can do. That the best important thing is do, as the Buddha said, <clears throat> protect your own mind. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.